felt compelled to add another message to our It Starts Here series. This, that's the series that's focusing um, for the year on saying that the mission of God to seek and to save the lost doesn't start in Cambodia or in Kyrgyzstan. Where does it start? It starts right here. It starts in our own backyard. The verse we've been looking at every single week during this time, Acts 1.8. Hopefully you can say it by now, Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you so that you'll have spiritual goosebumps and jump around in church. What are you laughing at? That's not what it says. Well, that's what a lot of Pentecostals believe. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you so that you can have church and experience stuff at the altar. That's not what it says here at all. It says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Why? And you shall be my witnesses. In other words, you'll talk about Jesus both in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. It's about reaching people here first and then moving out from here to the rest of the world. Now today I felt really compelled to look at another dimension of It Starts Here. Um, And it's this idea that the local church is absolutely vital to this big mission that God has, that that Portview Church, or whatever church you might be from, if you're not from here, is vital to what God is doing around the world. And I'm, to be honest with you, I'm kind of surprised that I ever even need to feel compelled to speak about this. Um, because for a very long time, this has just been understood and assumed. Everybody kind of knew it to be true. But I'll tell you this, it's not assumed anymore. At least it's not assumed by a lot of people in our culture, including people who self-identify. They take a survey and they say, I am a Christian. I am a committed Christian. Um, And I would say this, even it's very possible some of us in this room don't understand what I want to talk about today. The reality is that the local church is not seen by many as central to the mission of God and to the activity of God anymore. They say, well, I can just look on the internet and go on my iPad and scroll some servant somewhere, and that's Christianity. According to Barna Research, the largest group of people who say that they are Christians in America, and this is them, they're, they're not saying, that's somebody looking at them and saying, you're a Christian. It's them saying, I am a Christian. The largest group of people identifying as Christians in America, what, what church do you think they go to? Which group are they part of? You don't know what group they're part of? A group called the nons. It's a category they had to create and research, being non-affiliated with any local church. The largest group of Christians in America today are people who self-identify as nons, that they are not affiliated with any local church, that right now they are sleeping or they are at the lake drinking coffee. And when I say that, just my thought, as I say they're at the lake drinking coffee, some of us in here are going, Man, that sounds like a really great option. I'm going to tell you this. That might sound appealing. It does in some ways. But actually, the idea that that could be a viable option is a tragedy. And I'm hoping I can explain that in a way that will make sense as we go through our time here together today. Barna also goes on to say, that of those who go to church in America and self-identify themselves, according to categories, as committed Christians. They're not saying nominal or I go to church sometimes. They're saying I'm a committed Christian. 
that on average they attend a local church 1.4 times a month. And that in the past seven years in America, 30.5 million people have stopped attending churches at all in America. And another 7.5 million say they're on the verge of not going back to a church anymore. The reality is that, that many Christians no longer believe that the local church is vital to the mission of God and vital to their own lives, or at least their actions say that's what they believe. So there's one thing to say something, there's another thing to put your, put your money where your mouth is. Their actions are, the actions of the American Christian are saying they don't really believe the local church is vital anymore. Once where towns and cities were literally built around churches. Now think with me. Think of downtown Cedarburg with me right now. Downtown Cedarburg, um, and I'll tell you another time the story of how the Catholic Church got there. Matter of fact, very briefly, the Catholic Church got there because the Lutheran churches bought the land and gave it to them. You know why? Because it was in the other end of town and all the farmers that would have to come into town on Sunday and drive past all the businesses to get to the Catholic Church on the south side of town. And so the Lutheran pastors all told me that one time. But anyways, I don't know if it's true, but the Lutheran pastors say it's true. Um, so anyways, but if you look at downtown Cedarburg, what do you see as the main pronounced buildings downtown Cedarburg? Churches, beautiful churches, right downtown, and then all the, the um, building or all the other commerce built around them. Or think with me about this. Have you ever been to old, some old towns, there's some in Wisconsin, but I remember being at one in particular in Iowa one time that had the old-style town square. Think of um, Back to the Future. Remember that movie where they had the town square and they have the town hall? But what's always at the town square also? A church, at least a church, some big, huge church. It's always very prominent. Now, we don't really see that anymore. Churches aren't built anymore. Matter of fact, I know of a church plant in a city in Arizona that had a kind of a structured church, a structured community they built, Surprise, Arizona, with I forget how many houses, something like 10,000 houses in a structured thing. And when they got done, what they realized? They never built, one, they never had one spot for one church. And one reason they realized is the church planter said, I want to plant a church. And they realized, oh, we never even thought about putting a church in this development. There were Starbucks and there were grocery stores and there were anything, but no one even thought about the fact that there ought to be a church. Now, somehow things are, are changing. And maybe, and you could say this, a lot of church um, planters who want to take the church forward in particular and kind of the missional church movement, they'll say, you know, it's a good thing that the church isn't in a town square anymore. They'll say because when the church was in a town square, maybe that had more to do with social standing, had more to do with cultural Christianity than it had to do with kind of countercultural, genuine Christianity. And so, so maybe that's okay that the church isn't front and center really in the town square all that much anymore. Now the churches are turned into other things often in the town square. But I would say this. It's not okay for the local church to not be central to the life of individual Christians. And it's not okay for the church not to be central to the lives of Christian families. And it's not okay because it will hinder Christian growth. And it will hinder Christian experience. You were able to, some of you experienced God in a way this morning that I believe will set you free and change your life in some life controlling issue. That wouldn't happen if it weren't for the local church. And it won't also, if the church, if we don't believe it's um, central to the thing, it will hinder also not only growth and experience, it will hinder the mission of God around the world. You see, we need the church. And understand this 
God is the one who came up with the idea of the local church. He was the one who knew that his mission would be tied to the gathering of believers, unifying together to live out their Christian faith and to take that faith then across the street and around the world. The church is God's plan to change the world. And friends, understand, it is his plan to minister to you and me. The church is his plan to minister to you and me by you and me. That's God's plan. You know who's got, who, where God's hands and feet exist in this world today? Everybody go like this. These are God's hands. God, we, His head, we are the body. And it is His plan to minister to you and me by or through you and me. That's why Jesus said that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not overcome it. He understood the centrality of the necessity of the local church to the mission of God. The church is God's main avenue of ministry on the planet. And that's why as we look at the activity of the people of God recorded in the New Testament after the life of Jesus, we see them engaged in primarily one main activity. You think of your whole New Testament after the Gospels. You basically see the church engaged in one main activity. That's the establishing of local churches. Think about the Apostle Paul. What did the Apostle Paul primarily do? He went to places where the Gospel was not. He told people about Jesus. Some of those people he told came to faith in Christ. And those people he then organized into churches with leaders and deacons and elders And then what did he do? He moved on to the next place and started another church and organized, led some more people and organized another church. And most of the New Testament epistles then, all the letters written to places in the Bible, people and places, are primarily letters written to those newly established churches and newly established church leaders about how those churches should act and how they should, what they should do. So think about 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. What are they? They're simply letters to a church that had gone crazy. And Paul is saying, listen, I've got to straighten you out. It's letters to churches. Jesus said he would build his church, and then his followers went everywhere and established churches. The church has always been central to God's activity in the world. And friends, just not only biblical history, but church history proves that Christians have always understood this. Think about a particular group with me this morning. Think about the Methodist church movement. You guys, you know, there's a Methodist church in our town. But you know, understand there's Methodist churches almost everywhere. Do you know that at one time the Methodist church around the globe would you say this? They were the rocking movement of God around the world. They were the revival church around the world. And it's interesting how if you look at church history, almost all organizations rise up and then shrink back and God raises up something else. And so what you have, they were, they were the, the going denomination for, for a long period of time. And they had a very lofty goal. Anybody know what the lofty goal of the United Methodist Church was? It was to establish a church every single place on the planet where there was a post office. See, they understood something. They said they knew wherever people lived in community, they'd want mail. They wanted mail, they'd have a post office. And if there were a large enough gathering of people to have a post office, they believed that that was also a large enough gathering to have a Methodist church. At that, at that location. And they established tens of thousands of churches around the world simply saying, if there's a post office and no Methodist church, we need to plant a Methodist church in that place. They knew the local church was critical to the Christian life and to the furthering of the mission of God. So what did they do? They went around and they planted churches. 
as we think of, of this idea of the importance or centrality of a local church, let me give you kind of a, a funny illustration to prove a point at just how much culture has always understood um, the importance of the local church to the mission of God. Um, and say this, that even media has understood, we think evil media, even media has understood and reveals just how important the church is, has always been to the mission of God. Here's my question for you. Have you ever watched any of the old spaghetti westerns? You know what a spaghetti western is? Clint Eastwood, High Plains Drifter, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. You know what kind of movies I'm talking about? You know why they're called spaghetti western? Because they were made in, in Italy for a really low budget. So all those Clint Eastwood where he's riding on the horse, pale rider. Anybody watch these movies? Thank you. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. These old westerns that, I, that are on at 1 o'clock in the morning now that I watch when I can't sleep and that Suzanne thinks are totally stupid, um, you know, so we don't watch them together. As you watch those movies, and many of you have, even if you won't admit it, what happens? Often the cowboys come riding into some old western town, supposed to be somewhere in you know, southwest America, um, meaning uh, you know, the southwest part of America, or in Mexico. They come riding into town, and there generally ends up being a shootout in town. What building do they almost always end up in and almost always have a shootout in? The saloon. Okay, that's one of them. <laughs> they call it this, the mission. They're always in the mission. They always end up in some old established Spanish Catholic church almost every time when some brown robe friar always comes out trying to get them not to kill each other. Sometimes he dies, sometimes he doesn't, sometimes he gives guns to the bad guys or the good guys. But there's always some brown robe friar in the, in the movie. You know it. Every, think of it. Every one of them you watch. The plot's almost the same. There's the good guy, the bad guy, and they end up in a Catholic mission and they have a shootout almost every time. Think about this. The mission... The missions, even called it the mission, or those local churches, were established everywhere, in every little podunk town in some arid, you know, Mexico City, you know, or Arizona town, that you couldn't even make a movie about that time and place without including the church in the, in the movie. See, Jesus said he would build his church and that it would be central to the life of the Christian faith and vital in the advancement of his mission, and it always has been. So what about today? You and me in this American culture where the church doesn't seem to be very central to society anymore. Matter of fact, it's not. I heard of some concert recently or some comedian that said you could not come into the, to the, into the concert if you had a Bible. It was just on the news in the last couple of days. You know, so what about us in this thing? Let's ask ourselves some questions today. Is the church still central to us? Is it still the local church central to our lives and the lives of our families? Do we agree that the church is God's plan, is still God's plan to change the world? Or has God given up on the church? Do we believe that we should be committed to the activities, ministries of the local church. Well, I'll tell you, I do. And I think many of you do, or you wouldn't be here today. You'd be at the lake. And you say, why are you preaching to the choir then? Because we need to help initiate some changes. We believe this. 
I think so many of us believe the importance of the church because we've come to know Jesus as a result of the ministry of a local church. And so many of us have grown in our faith through the ministry of a local church. And so many of us have, been, have found true community, maybe the only true friendship and community we've ever experienced through the ministry of a local church. And so many of us have found real purpose in life by engaging in the ministry of the local church. You see, I think we really do value the local church and believe it is central to our lives and the lives of our families and it is vital to God's mission. Do you agree with that? Yeah? Agreed? Okay. I'm not sure yet because I can't go on until you say agreed. Say I have agreed circled right here. If you don't agree, I'm going to stop right here. But do we agree on that? Some of you are saying, no, I disagree, so let's go home. And go to the lake. I've got, got to preach a lot longer then. If we agree on that, then let's shift our focus a little bit on this topic. Still the same topic, but shift our focus just a little bit. I want to give you an if-then statement. You know, remember if-then statements? And I have, Remember your logic classes in school? An if-then statement, kind of if this is true, then that is true. Things that are related. So, like for instance, if it's raining, then it's wet outside. That's an if-then statement. That makes sense, right? If it's raining, then it's wet outside. There's a connection between the two. So, if the church is God's plan for the world, then its ministry or activities in the, of the local church are vital. That makes sense? If the church is God's plan to change the world, we've just set this whole process before saying that's true, right? Spent 15, 20 minutes talking about it. If even Clint Eastwood's director understood it. If the church is God's plan to change the world, then the ministries or the activities of the local church are vital. True? If then, makes sense? Is that true? Yes, thank you. A big loud yes. Ready? One, two, three. Yes. All right. You ready for my next question? So what is God's plan then for how church ministries, the activity of the local church, are to be accomplished. Those things that he said are vital, and we said we agree with that. If this is true, then that is true. If the church is vital to God's mission, then the ministry of the local church is important and vital. If then. So if um, so, what is God's plan for how church ministries are to be accomplished? Those things that we said are vital. Number one, our paid clergymen, I could, should have put a, a friar, brown friar robe today, would have fit with the theme better are paid clergy to accomplish all the ministry of the local church? Yes or no? No, thank you. Some of the things, yes, like right now. But not many of the things that are vital to the ministry of the local church. And see this, we don't need to guess about the answer to this question. How does God want this accomplished? Because God inspired the Apostle Paul to write it for us in his word. And it's something that we looked at in our study for Ephesians, which, by the way, hopefully in a couple of weeks we're going to start again and finish it before summer's over. Ephesians 4.11 and 12, you don't believe me, it will happen. Before I retire, it will be done. Ephesians 4.11 and 12, he says this, He gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. And it says, and then for this reason, for, to do this, for, the equipping of the saints, who are the saints? Every one of us in here. 
The equipping of the saints for the work of service. Why? To the building up of the body of Christ. So that the body of Christ, the kingdom of God, will grow. So he gave, he gave clergy for the purpose of equipping or training the everyday church people, the saints, those who know Jesus, for the work of service, which is in a local church and around the world, to the building up of the body of Christ. God's plan is that clergy and pastors would help everyday saints, which is all of us, get involved in the ministry of the local church in order to fulfill the mission of the local church's vital ministry, which we said it was vital. See, I set you up. You agreed with me that it was vital. So my job, Pastor Mitch's job, and Pastor Wes's job, and Pastor Chris's job, and Suzanne's job, is to help all of you find your place of ministry service so that together we can be part of accomplishing God's mission in the world. That's God's plan. We are all vital to God's mission. All of us. That's why the theme is true. It starts here. It starts here at Portview. We're all vital to the mission of God. The reason I bring this up today is because the local church is too important to lose in our culture. It's too important to lose in our lives. It's too important to lose in our families. And you say, well, we're not going to lose it. I'm saying it's happening all around us. And that's why I say it's a prophetic message. It's too important to lose. And we have to wake up. We must be countercultural. And once again, different than everybody around us, once again have Jesus and his church as central to our lives and central to our families, regardless of what people around us say. For this to happen, we must realize it's always been God's plan that the ministry of the local church be accomplished by the people of that local church, that every person be part of accomplishing the ministry of the local church that we all agreed was vital to our lives and the mission of God. But something strange has happened over time. And I've watched a big change of this in just my lifetime. Maybe it's part of the reason the local church is no longer vital, as vital as it was, or it's not central to lives of people so much anymore. But what's happened to Christianity in our culture is that Christianity has somehow become a spectator sport. Now, a few people perform for a large group of watchers. That's what happens oftentimes. Now, is there a place for a large group of people to listen and learn? Yes, right now. But should it end here? Should this be the end of your engagement and my engagement in the mission of God in the local church? No, it shouldn't end here. God sees us as vital to the mission of the local church. And he has different and unique ways for every Christian to be engaged. And I believe every Christian, not only are we engaged in the world, but every Christian should be engaged in their local church. And if we're not, that's why the local church is losing its place of importance in our community. If it starts here, meaning God's mission of seeking and saving the lost begins in our own backyards, begins at Portview, then God must have a vital and eternal purpose for each and every one of us here at Portview. So, how does God want you involved in accomplishing the ministry of the local church? Ask yourself this question. What dreams and desires has God given you? 
What God dreams has God given you? What ministries has he laid on your heart? What has he said, this is something important? And you say, maybe it even happens like this. You say, I think it's important, but nobody else seems to think it's important. Just maybe God's laid it on your heart because he wants to use you to do something in that area. What dreams and desires has God given you? What talents and abilities has God placed in you to use to expand his kingdom? Maybe it's teaching a kid in kids' church, or it's rocking one of the many babies we have right now. Isn't that wonderful? We just have, we're packing our nursery out. It's awesome. Keep it the good work. Keep having lots of babies. You know, maybe it's rocking a baby in the nursery. So a mom who is frazzled has an hour and 15 minutes to sit and just soak in the presence of God. You think that's a vital ministry in the mission of God? It's absolutely vital. Everything is vital. Matter of fact, a lot of times I think I'm the least vital in it. Because if somebody's not doing all the rest, this doesn't even happen. Maybe it's serving coffee with a smiling face in a cafe. You know what I was going to do for this sermon? You're going to say, you're a nasty guy. You know what I was going to do? I wasn't going to preach. This is my honest plan what I was going to do. I was going to take caution tape and put it across the cafe door, and I was going to put a sign that said, please be seated in the sanctuary. And then I was going to put a caution tape at the nursery and in the kids' church and say, please be seated in the sanctuary. And then no one was going to show up in here. No one in the sound booth. No one on the worship team, which they were here at 6.30 this morning. No one on the worship team. No sermon. Uh, No one in the cafe. You'd be going, where's my coffee? No one in the cafe. No one in kids' church, no one in nursery, no one in the toddlers, all of those things. And, matter of fact, I could have left the doors locked because somebody didn't show up at 6, 30, at 6 o'clock and then locked the doors. And just say, you know what? Every one of those things I mentioned, and I'm not mentioning a ton, are super important. Tony's trimming out the wood, the oak trim around all our columns. Gene, this last week, went and put um, uh, on the carpet... Uh, the transition strips in a couple places. Um, Dan went and put the baseboards and painted the walls and the baseboards in all the cafe this week. Gene cut the grass this week. Ron cut the grass this week. All those things that go on every single day. They're all important to the mission of God, but they all give you purpose in life. Maybe your, maybe your passion is cutting the grass and tending the landscaping of God's church. So it looks beautiful and inviting. Maybe your passion is, is being at the welcome center when, when new first-time visitors to church are going to go have a friendly greeting after church and get a gift and you're going to meet somebody and maybe, maybe you're here and you're a first-time visitor and someone's going to greet you and you're just investigating if this Christianity is even real. And somebody could be the key person to talk to you and say, hey, man, I want this changed my life. You think that's all important? It's all vital. It's all eternal, it's all valuable, and it's all necessary. And it's supposed to involve all of us. God created us and calls us all to serve. It's how he accomplishes the mission of his church. But here's the number one objective. I'm too busy. Thank you. You read my notes. I'm too busy to serve. Here's my suggestion for you. Start small. Do something. 
I have to believe all of us could serve at least one hour a month. Think, think about this. Think of this. In the last month, did you serve one hour in the ministry of the local church? One hour. Everybody could do one hour. You could sign up for a half hour slot watching the jump house next Sunday at the church picnic or serving root beer or whatever at the church picnic next Sunday. And I believe this. As you serve, you will be fulfilling an eternal purpose for your life and you will feel the value of being part of something bigger than yourself and you will want to be more involved because it's going to it's going to feed something very good inside of you. So to help all of us become involved, greater involved in the ministry of Portview in the local church, if you have another place that you're part of a church, go talk to your pastor and say, I want to be involved because the local church is that important. We've included in your bulletin today a card. Pull that thing out. I like what it says on here. I want to serve. It doesn't say I have to serve. It says I want to serve. And I encourage you to do something. Take this card and ask the Lord how and where He would like you to get involved at Portview. Start small, but start. You say, I don't see anything on there? Write something in those lines down there saying, I'd like to come cut the grass. I want a weed whack. Anybody like weed whacking? we got a great weed whacking machine. It's lonely. It's lonely. It wants somebody to love it. At least an hour a week. And so, say, I'd love to weed whack. You say, what's this all about? You're just doing a whole sermon about trying to get people to do stuff. That's not what it's about at all. And God is my witness. I'm telling you the truth. That we are doing our best to help you fulfill your created purpose here. This is just one more way of trying to help you become what God wants you to become in His kingdom. Because you're never a fully functioning Christian if you're also not a serving Christian. Your serving might be filming great videos for church. It might be it. You know, Josh is going to be co-leading the class with me on Wednesday nights. It might be that. Clem, who was here this week working on all the locks in the church because we figured out when we built the, did the addition over there, uh, or the, the new entryway for the kids, we didn't lock the things. The locks are past locks, so Clem's putting those in so we have regular locks in there. And he's picking some locks in the church that are locked, stuck, and we can't figure out what it is. All these different things that go on are super, super vital. They're vital to the function of the church, but they're vital to the development of your life. Maybe it's serving as a connect group leader or as a co-host in a, in a connect group. Whatever it is, God has something for you so that you're part of something bigger than yourself. So here's what I want you to do. It doesn't have to be even today, but it could be today. Write on here something, and don't forget to put your name and address on the back. And how to contact you. Here's one of our big dilemmas. This is where this came from. I was asked to preach this sermon by our staff. I've never before been asked to preach a sermon by my staff ever in 26 years. They asked me to preach this sermon because you know why? They're saying we can't connect with people anymore. Because what used to work for a little while is that Facebook, everybody's on Facebook, we found out. You know, I found out not one of our deacons is on Facebook. One of them kept saying, Jim Langford kept saying, how can I find out, how do I serve? I'm like, well, buddy, it was on Facebook again. Because I don't look at Facebook. It was on the website. He goes, I don't want to go to the website. And we realized, we started doing a survey. We found out a whole bunch of people don't. 
So we just got different software so that we can blast texts and emails out to people. And so say, hey, you know what? If you want to contact me, here's my email, my phone number, or my, my text me. We're just trying to do a better job of helping you become what God wants you to become. So the church becomes what it's supposed to become. Because the church is vital to the mission of God in the world. And God designed it that we all have something to play. We all have something vital to give. And the church is not what it is. If all it is, and this is the tragedy of America today, what the church has become is a whole crowd of people come and some Branson star gets up and does a performance in front of 5,000 people and everybody gives a tip and they go home. And it doesn't change your lives one iota. And how do I know it? Because Barna's stats tell me it's true. And so we can be countercultural. I think we are highly countercultural. You know why? We have a growing segment of millennials in our church that says, people say, you can't reach millennials. Oh, wait. Oh, we are. A whole bunch of you. You know, and a bunch are gone today. And so we are. God is doing an amazing thing at Portview, but we want it to go forward. We don't want it to stagnate. We want it to, to keep on going to what God wants it to do. And one of those ways is for each person to figure out where they fit in the body. I really believe this is a big deal. I really believe this is prophetic um, for the time we're living in. That if we don't reject the direction of our culture, I really believe this, there will not be local churches for our kids and our grandkids to go to. And they go, oh yeah, Mark, you're such an alarmist. Well, go with me to Germany. Go with me to the headquarters of, of the Christian Reformation. Go with me to Germany. I was born and raised a Lutheran. Go with me to Germany and I'll show you empty cathedrals that we just visited. Empty, beautiful cathedrals that are dead and gone. They're tourist attractions and nothing else anymore. Not the Lutherans' fault. I'm glad they invested in me. You know what it is? It's that the church wasn't central to the, to the, to the mission of God anymore. People went to great big places and watched an entertainer and then stopped coming all together. So if you don't believe me, just go to Germany because we're one step behind Europe. Big, empty churches. I don't believe it's God's plan. A big part of it all is deciding if we really do believe that the local church is vital to the mission of God in the world. I believe it is, and I believe it starts here. Maybe we can't change all of America. Maybe Barna stats aren't going to change. But if he just looked at Port Washington in 10 years, maybe our stats would be totally different. That's my dream. That we're countercultural. Amen? Now, believe it or not, as I close, I had a number of people praying for me today because I said I don't want to beat people up, but I got a really hard thing to say. Hard in the fact that we don't often like to say. We like, we, we like, we like comfort. We like ease. And, but here's the, here's the lie we believe. That if I, if I serve and involve, it's going to take something from me. I promise you, it doesn't. It gives something to you. You are the beneficiary when you serve other people are also, but you are the beneficiary when you serve. You grow spiritually. You have purpose. And God wants you to experience that. And one of the places he created for that is the local church. Amen? I want you to stand with you this morning. So one of the important things of the local church is we pray together. I'm just going to pray in closing. And then... If you need prayer for something today, come down and myself and Pastor Chris 
We'll be down here and we'll pray with you. Um, that's an important value of the local church. So, Father, thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, I ask that as, as we sit here today or stand here this morning before you, Lord, I know almost every person in this room. And, Lord, this is an awesome group of people who love you and want to see your kingdom advance. And Lord, I know for most of it today, it was just preaching to the choir. People really getting it. But Lord, I just just believed with my heart that we were supposed to address this idea of our culture going exactly the opposite direction. And I pray now, God, that anything I said that that was errant and maybe was fleshly would just be forgotten in Jesus' name. But the heart of what you're trying to say I pray, God, that it would bring transformation into our lives and that every one of us would say, where did God create me to be, to belong, to fit, to serve? And that not one person would just excuse it saying, well, I'm too busy. That every, there's something, Jesus, that you modeled by you being a leader and you served. There's something that you model by even the highest of us in the world's view becoming the humblest of us and serving and washing feet. Maybe in this context that's washing a window or, or cleaning a toilet. Because it says something about humility. So God, I pray, lead us by your Spirit. Lead us Show us how you want us involved so the ministry of Portview Church continues to excel. And that, Lord, we really do bring an incredible change right here in our Jerusalem. So, Lord, I thank you for each one here. And I pray that you would help them find the blessing of, a, of, of service in their life to advance them in their spiritual life.